Chase is alive. He killed my friend, now he's coming for me. He's got a death curse. Jason's a legend. I'm Mrs. Warrior, an old friend of the Christie's. Jason belongs in hell. You're joining me if you stay here. Never come back again. You see, Jason was away somewhere, and today is his birthday. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Return to Camp Blood. I am your host, Nathan Barker, and joining me tonight is the Lando. How y'all doing? And Ben D. Atlee. Hey, what's up, guys? All right. For tonight's episode, a continuation, or a part two, if you will, from our last episode, of the top campers slash counselors. Now, on that episode, we just stuck with the guys only, since... We didn't think it was fair, basically, to combine the two since Friday the 13th has so many installments and so many characters. So tonight, here at Camp Crystal Lake, we will journey on and discuss the top lady campers slash counselors. So before we kick things off, we, we're going to do a top five, kind of like we did with the guys. But when it came to the women, we couldn't really constructively agree on a complete part five or I'm sorry, uh, top five list. So um, we'll we'll kind of go over some things later on, but what we were able to do is actually agree on two that would be on basically a top five list. So now we all know that Friday is not known for its acting chops, especially with the, some of the counselors slash characters. And a lot of the women don't necessarily have as many, I guess, uh, one-liners as some of the guys do. They're kind of kind of more known mostly for for their uh their figures if you will not all of them but a lot of the more memorable friday characters are probably looked at because of maybe uh maybe the way they look so we'll be discussing that a little bit later too so uh to kick things off though i just want to give a shout out to annie robbie morgan from part one now annie is the one that started it all so she automatically gets a nod and of course we first see her taking a little stroll through Blairstown, kind of opening up the setting for what we see in part one. And then of course the memorable car ride on her way out to camp crystal Lake. So although it was very brief, Annie was the number one that we seen. So she automatically gets a thumbs up and a nod from us here at return to camp blood. So uh, Lando or Ben, did any of you guys have anything to add about Annie? No, I think you nailed it on the head. I mean, she's the first one. I mean, she's very mellow. She's bubbly and, you know, very happy to get started. And then all of a sudden things just went south. It's the perfect, it encapsulates everything about Friday the 13th. People who are so excited to get started. They can't wait to get in the middle of it. And then shit just goes downhill real fast. Yeah, she definitely had some motivation, you could tell, and uh, ready to get the day going. And then obviously things did not work out well in her favor. So, Ben, anything to add on Annie? No, I think you guys got it right. I mean, she was she was cute. You cared about her. And then definitely when the Jeep starts speeding up, you're kind of, you know, oh, no, Annie. So definitely maybe a little <laughs> um, maybe a little Hitchcock thing there. You know, you think she's going to be, you know, the main character and then she's she's taken from us and you're in for the ride. So, yeah, definitely love Annie. 
Absolutely. Now, moving on to, I guess, the staple of our list. I, I think I said we agreed on two. We actually agreed on three out of the five. So we're going to go ahead and talk about these three characters, and then we're going to give you a rundown of if we were individually going to pick a top five list ourselves and just throw those out there. And we're not really going to discuss those much, just just to throw you out, throw those out there for you to to hear what individually they would have been. And then, of course, just like on the last episode, we're going to treat 2009 separate because of the generation gap, the huge gen- generation gap there and uh, discuss a character from that film. So to kick off the list, we will start things off with the extremely memorable. And then uh, I'll share a little, little I guess, uh tidbit about something Ben mentioned before we began, but the very memorable Terry from Friday the 13th Part 2, played by Kirsten Baker, and off the air, Ben had mentioned one thing that just really stuck out, and he had mentioned that the the skinny dipping scene alone was enough to make that character memorable, and I definitely agree, and there's no doubt about that, and there's just something about the characters in the first few Friday films, they just kind of seem more wholesome, more kind of the, 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 the counselor, they, they seem more fit to the counselor roles. Whereas we get later on down the road and some of the other films, we're getting away a little bit from the traditional side of what we see in the first few films. So Terry, I think really plays that part very well. And of course the, the skinny dipping scene, it is extremely memorable, but for me, one of the things, if you're looking through Google images, or you're looking at stuff from part two and you see that iconic shot and she even has it on her table at conventions. Kirsten does. I've seen it with, with my own eyes. So I know she does. And that's of her standing there in the short jean shorts. It's just an iconic shot from Friday. And uh, Ben, I'll let you take it from there since you're the one that mentioned that about the skinny dipping before we started. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I tried not to pick a character based on a scene like that, but when we are talking memorable, it's it's something that really sticks out in part two. Like you said, I mean, you're not going to do an image search or, or really see anything from part two, I think, without without seeing Terry come up. Um, there's that great shot of her, I think, halfway into the lake, kind of looking over her shoulder. You see that all the time. And then, you know, of course, the, the slingshot and everything. So I think she's really memorable. And uh, definitely Muffin, uh, you know, her dog, if, if that even plays into it, you know, and you see Muffin right at the very end. So you always remember Terry. And uh, I don't know, she's just always, I don't know, maybe maybe innocent, maybe not too innocent, I guess, because she was skinny dipping. But uh, yeah, I don't on. know. I mean, I, I, she was just kind of quiet, I guess, at first, hard to get with Scott. I don't know. I just I always liked I always liked Terry. Yeah, I, I can see what you mean by that. I agree. And. Of course, yeah, the dog. I can see why you would throw that in there too. And I tried not to to think about the the physical aspect of things because with a lot of these characters, which we'll we'll get into discussion later, is it is because of the nudity and all that shit, and that's what makes them memorable because they don't have a lot of of these great one liners. Uh, speaking of part two, you know, asshole, that, that's my truck. Simple little things like that, and. Marta Cobra's in the scene, but she's not part of the line. So it's like they're there, but they're not really, they're a participant, but they're not really, I don't know. So there's, there's for whatever reasons you can like who you like, but I think there's plenty of reasons to put the Terry character right up there on the list. So Lando thoughts on Terry. 
Yeah, I agree with the things that you guys are talking about. I mean, obviously, the physicality is always going to enter into the picture for people, especially, you know, you look back and you remember, you know, there's these scenes that, you know, they were filmed and skewed for people to see them that way. I mean, the first thing I think we see with Terry is her caboose, right, walking around for, you know, for Scott to hit her on. But the thing about it that to me that always stood out is for as attractive as she was and the way they played up her body and everything, her character really wasn't like that, you know, just like uh, Ben was talking about him. She was kind of shy and quiet, you know, she wasn't overly flirtatious with Scott. In fact, she kind of shot him down a couple of times when he wanted to dance. He ended up dancing with muffin. You know, he was asking her about that. And I don't know if she was doing a crossword puzzle or something, but she was kind of lost in her own thought. And then when they all went to the bar and everything, she wanted to stay behind. Yes. It was to try and find her dog, but I'm just saying she didn't play up the whole hot chick party girl kind of thing. And I kind of like the dichotomy there where it was like, she was kind of against what you were expecting her to be. And so that was memorable in my mind. Yeah, that's another good point. And I agree with that, too. She really didn't, I guess, play the stereotype, I guess, if you want to call it that. But part two, it, it's just such a great film, such a good installment in the series. And, of course, we, me and Lando, of course, have a lot of love for part two. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, but with her, there's definitely more substance with that character than some of the other female uh, counselors slash characters that you see in some of the later installments. But like I said, I don't, I don't know if maybe when I said earlier that the first few, I guess three, maybe four films, probably not so much with four, but the first three, they just kind of seem like more wholesome characters, especially in two. So there's probably a little bit more to kind of grab onto as far as why you would put one on the list. But yeah, I mean, very quick into the film and you see the, you see her backside. And of course in, uh, in the eighties, uh, Kirsten was a model. So of course they picked the right person or, or physique for what they were trying to accomplish with the short shorts. So yeah. Um, anything else to add before we move on? No, I think we covered that character pretty well. Unless Ben, unless you guys, I'm, uh, no, I mean, really nothing to add. I don't, I don't want to, you know, exaggerate too much on, on her scene, but definitely one of the more memorable moments of part two. Yes. Terry. All right. Moving on to the next that we actually agreed on. And that would be from one of my favorite installments, Friday the 13th, part three. And that would be the character of Vera Sanchez played by Catherine Parks. Now Vera was the character of Vera. Uh, of course, Catherine was a very good-looking lady, too. But for me, I thought Vera was a, a well-rounded character for the, the film, for what they were trying to portray. But the what sticks out to me the most is Vera is the first victim of Hockey Mask Jason. And that badass shot to the eye is just iconic. So she also has several reasons why I would put her on the list. But... Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just something about seeing when we finally see that mass Jason. And of course she's the first victim. And uh, I don't know. I mean, there's, uh, there's other things to go by, but that's the first thing that I think of when I think of that character is, is finally getting the mass Jason. So uh, Lando. Yeah. I mean that, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, we talk about being memorable. I think that that's, when we talk about Vera, that's what everyone's going to come to. And agree. If there was a consensus, it would be that if she was the first victim of the hockey mask. But I kind of looked at it as, uh, you know, like you talked about, she's well-rounded. I mean, there was something behind the things that she was saying. She wasn't just kind of dithier bouncing around. You know, she actually had something to say and she had like principles on things. But more than anything, I thought she was like the personification of all the 
females in these slasher movies, a lot of time, these cookie cutter characters are the asshole men that they had to deal with. It was something I had written about with eye horror. And I just, I copied and pasted and just put it down because it, I, I think it's so true. It was like, you met, just think about what she went through. Cause like Shelly referred to her as a bitch at one point because she didn't like, she spurned his advances. I mean, think about it. It's like, she agreed to head into the woods for a blind date as a favor to her friends. She had to fight off her mother just to get out the front door. She discovered you know, that her date was apologetic about his appearance, wore a mask. She's informed she couldn't use food stamps at the convenience store just because she was Latina. She received an unwanted lesson on manners, almost got pulled into the lake because Shelly just didn't know when to stop. And then she was kind enough to retrieve the wallet and got harpooned for the effort. So, you know, it was just the idea was that you wouldn't have been in a good mood either. All the shit that she was going through. And I just thought that the fact that they put it all on one character, you know, really, I think that it's just, I don't know. There's something that, uh, just kind of resonates with me that, that that was why she was memorable. She had to tolerate so much and go through so much just to end up getting killed anyway. Yeah. She definitely got the short end of the stick when it comes to Friday bullshit. No doubt about that. And yeah, yeah she wasn't the bubbly character. She wasn't over the top or anything. And all the things that you said are basically what I would have went into detail with as far as just being well-rounded. And then yeah. of course, yeah, you threw all the other stuff in there, but, and then plus just my love for part three plain and simple and and she's just she's one of the the best of the franchise as far as i'm concerned as far as top characters would go and uh yeah i mean you throw the whole shelly aspect in there too and that just adds to it even more and uh yeah i mean and plus with her you can't people can't say it well uh anything about nudity or anything of that sorts because we don't see that so there's right. just another there's a good example of like with Terry, totally different story, but Terry also had other reasons too. But like with Vera, there's, I mean, yeah, she was an attractive lady, but it was nothing physical outside of that as far as things right. that we saw throughout the film. So thoughts on that, Ben? Well, I mean, memorable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, sitting on the dock, Shelly popping out and then Jason with the spear gun. Just like we said with Terry, uh, you know, you do an image search of part three, you're going to see her. You're going to see her. Uh, what is it, like the red outfit that she's wearing? You know, it just it just pops. It's just you remember that image. But I think really I I agree with you. Like you like you said, no, no nudity or, or really any. I mean, what do they say? You know, sex and drugs and all that, you know, gets you killed out there at Camp Crystal Lake. I mean, she was a pretty good, good girl. Uh but I, I think like her character had so much more to it because when we first meet her, you know, that the, there was that argument with her mom and you almost kind of feel bad for her. I don't remember characters in part one or two that, that were introduced like, you know, to us like that with with problems. It was like she was almost like a real person, like, wow, she's kind of running away from her mom to get away from the weekend. Like, yeah, I can relate to that. So I really, really like that about her. And then. You know, she drops drops Shelly's wallet, and I remember thinking, like, oh, you know, dummy. And then you feel bad for her because she gets a spear gun in the eye. So very memorable. You got you got to love Vera. I love part three, but definitely she's one of the best in in part three. Oh, absolutely. And then, and not to mention the spear gun, but it's the it's the mic drop spear gun on top. Yeah, of it. The mic drop exactly. <laughs> like exactly. fuck you, you know. So you know, there's yeah, there's. There was one thing about the whole, you know, you talk about Terry, obviously he's a different character, but when you put them all together, like Terry Kaiser, you know, Bad News Cruise, right, from part seven, uh, people, I think, forget that, that uh, Catherine Parks played, like, his side girlfriend 
that was like cheating on her husband in the weekend at Bernie's. And that was why he got killed in the first place. Right. It was because she found his, her husband found out that, you know, she was messing around on him with Bernie and then she showed up all hammered drunk or whatever and went upstairs and fooled around with like the corpse. But those two were in weekend at Bernie's together. And I think, you know, sometimes people forget that you get that Friday the 13th connection with those two. Absolutely. She was in that film. She didn't have a, an illustrious career to speak of after that matter of fact i think she's completely out of acting now but she had a little bit of a resume but yeah she was in that film but yeah ben you're you're totally right on that as far as she basically had problems right out of the gate and we don't see that type of substance with basically the all the rest of the characters throughout friday for the most part um so yeah she definitely had a little bit more going on than the average character would and then like i said you throw in the shelly and this that and the other and many reasons why she could easily be tops on a list so anything else to add before we move on to the third agreeable i don't think so i got my weekend at bernie's plug in there so i'm good <laughs> all right good to go on that so moving on so the third one that we were actually able to put together an agreeable list here and that would be the lovely deborah Voorhees, who played tina in friday the 13th part five so Deborah really needs no explanation. I mean, it, it it just, the name speaks for itself. Friday five. I mean, no, no introduction needed. I don't know how many times I've seen on social media, different internet sites where they have the best racks and horror or the best boobs in Friday or whatever the fuck kind of contest you want to call it. And who always wins Deborah Voorhees. So yeah, I mean, how can you not agree with putting her on the list? So I've met her, such a, a nice, sweet, lovely lady, uh, awesome to chat with. And yeah, I mean, she's she's got an awesome background too, very educated. And, you know, I don't know, even if you don't like Friday Five or you're just not a big fan of Friday Five, you know who the character is, plus a very, very iconic death scene with the shears and I mean, maybe not so much substance compared to Vera or Terry. And we don't see her as much obviously, but just for those couple of reasons and for Friday being known for nudity and sex scenes and things like that, she it's, it's imperative that she's on a list like that. If she's not, then you're just not doing Friday any justice. So uh, Lando. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. I mean, what I was thinking about, you know, the idea of being memorable, it's not even memorable for me, but it's what stands out is how memorable it was for someone else. John LeJoie, who played Taco on the league, you know, he started out doing music and whatnot on YouTube, these funny music videos, and then he turned that into that that gig on, on the league. But he, you know, Wolfie's just fine, you know, his, his musical act, you know, A New Beginning, and he, and he you know, devoted an entire song to when he was a kid and saw that scene, her death scene for the first time. And I mean, it's a fantastic song and everything, but I mean, it was just the idea that her death scene was so iconic, stood out so much. It was such a profound experience for him. He wrote a song about it, you know, 20 something years after he had first seen it. I mean, if that isn't the definition of what memorable is, then I don't know what else, you know, what else can be said. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And with, uh, like I said, the physical side of it, Deborah. I mean, if you haven't seen what we're talking about, just look it up. She obviously was very well put together and uh, way more so than pretty much everybody else in the Friday franchise that we've seen. 
So, yeah, I mean, I, for a number of reasons, it's iconic. So she, uh, like I said, I've, I've had the chance to meet her. I've, I've spent some time on the phone with her. Have, I've had several conversations with her and, and, uh, she's got a, a project in the works called the list. It's a, a horror short that she's or, or horror film that she's actually directing herself coming up in the near future based off of one of her shorts. And there's a Facebook page and stuff where you can check that out. So she's still active in the business and, she does do some conventions and stuff. Ben and I actually got a chance to see her last fall in November at Horrorhound Columbus. They had a big Friday part five reunion. Uh, I, f- I forget there were seven or eight of the cast members there. So uh, definitely a good, good time to see all of them. So yeah, Ben, uh, I'll let you run with it. Well, I, I love Tina. I love the character of, of Tina. I've, obviously, for what you guys said, but I, I won't try to go into the you know her scene and the whole nudity. I just think that Tina herself absolutely nails the the eighties slasher horror stereotype. You know, you, you you smoke weed, you die. You have sex, you die. So she does them both, and of course dies. <laughs> and and her kill was just you know when you hear the clippers come down. Um, something about her, her scream. I think she just had, you know, I mean, she has a really just great scream, her mouth. It's just a great image. And I love the character, uh, kind of because, you know, her, her and her boyfriend, they're the ones that get, uh, Ethel and Junior all riled up, you know, cause they were screwing out there, you know, by her place. So they were just, uh, just a fun group of kids, I guess. Uh, I would have, I would have liked to, you know, definitely hang out with them if I was at Pinehurst. So, yeah, I think that they were just, you know, we're, we're talking 80s slasher here. So she was just right on, you know, that character nailed it. Absolutely. She had the looks and 1985 kind of right in that transition before we saw like the super big hair and some of the outfits that we've seen, the ridiculous wardrobe in the latter part of the 80s, like in part seven, part eight, and all that shit. So she's wearing pretty much the normal, normal get up. The hair's not not uh like super big like that the style hadn't quite changed so she she fit that perfect she definitely had the look deborah used to be a former playboy bunny and so i mean right there that kind of speaks for itself on top of obviously the scene that she did so you can understand why she would be a playboy bunny uh after watching that scene so yeah just a, a great fit for that particular character i think now, I don't know I don't know what they were trying to to cast, I guess, as far as I guess as far as what specific look that they wanted, but I'm sure that when she came in for the audition, they were probably like, Oh yeah, shit, she's got it. I mean, I don't know who else I don't know who else auditioned for that part, but when you have somebody like Deborah, she's obviously gonna take the spotlight from a lot of the other people that are auditioning, I would assume. So yeah, also um I I didn't pick one up yet. I don't know if either of you guys did, but there was a, a recent vinyl release out and I think it actually had the shears on the cover. If I remember, I don't do the record collecting, but did you guys see that where I think it actually had the shears on the, the vinyl cover? Yeah. Yeah. I did see that actually. It's, it's going around everywhere at the conventions right now. I, I don't think you can walk through a convention without seeing it, but absolutely great image, man. I mean, it's, I actually like to pick one up. I don't really collect the records either, but. I think just the cover art alone makes it, you know, pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah. That's oh, what I, I was going to say, I mean, you look at it as like, even like the part two, part three, whatever it is, the, the, the art is what draws you to it. Like, I don't collect those things either, but it, you know, in a way it, it entices you to almost start just for the art alone. 
Yeah, well, I was just going to say that as far as the shears being on the cover, that shows how iconic that scene is for some people is just because of the kill for that to translate over to a vinyl cover like that. So, yeah, we had to had to include Deborah Voorhees on the list. So, okay, so now that we've established three that we could agree on, we're basically just going to go through one at a time and just throw out what our top five would have been if we were to rank these or uh, not necessarily rank them, but just have a top five of the lady campers slash counselors without having to agree, just our own personal list. So, Ben, I will let you kick that off. Well, it was interesting because I, I did have a hard time coming up with a, a real good uh, top five being just campers or, or counselors. I, I wanted to include Ethel or, you know, hey, maybe even Mrs. Mrs. Voorhees because I think or excuse me, Mrs. Jarvis, because I think she was just a good a good soul. She didn't deserve to die. But um, really, I, I, I want to really just point out Violet. Violet was my favorite standout character, I think, of the whole series. Um, definitely for her dance. I don't I don't think that you can ever forget that dance. I think she was almost like a like a female Jimmy with that dance. But I also think that she was kind of like the female court because she always had the headphones on. She was just a rocker, you know, a real badass. So I always, I don't know, I was always drawn to Violet. I always think there was, she had the cool room. She had the posters. She was the one that was like, you know, there's maybe a little bit more there. We didn't get too much time to explore with Violet. I also wanted to include uh, KM14 from from Jason X. As bad of a film as I know Jason X really is, it doesn't have too many fans. <laughs> I, I think... I think she was a strong character. I mean, maybe maybe is, is, she was a female, but she was an android, a robot. So was, maybe that's why she was so strong. But definitely, you know, she got the uh, the upgrade and she came back. I mean, she she killed Jason. Right. I mean, she you know, they blew blew his head right off. So definitely a badass to be able to go, you know, head to head with Jason like that. And um, t- uh, the twins, the twins from part four, uh, they're not really that big of a role, but I, I think they're memorable. I don't think. Freddie or or Michael Myers or any of them guys have killed twins and and Jason got twins and how could you not forget them you know in bed with with Jimbo and the classic dead fuck line so that was from, <laughs> that was pretty close to my top I guess three uh, you know I said I I kind of exed Ethel and and maybe a few others but uh, that that's about who I thought was about right gotcha well and the thing was is it's just for the sake of the episodes just lady camper slash counselors where if you throw ethel in there it's kind of a little bit different just like with the guys i probably would have had caretaker martin on my list but he's not one of the the camper slash counselors so whatever but yeah no i definitely can see that and those are all good choices and really all the characters have something different to bring so it's just kind of whatever is memorable for you or just uh you know maybe it is a physical thing or whatever. I mean, it's Friday. They're, the movies are meant to be fun and campy, and it is what it is. So definitely nothing wrong with those choices. And for me, mine would, of course, had Terry on it from part two, and of course, Vera from three. <clears throat> and I I probably, uh, you know, Deborah, obviously, that's that's a give me. But if you, dis, if you discount Deborah off the list, just like I said, um, and just kind of throwing some love out there to the others, I would have definitely had Debbie. Uh, played by Tracy Savage in Friday Three. I love Debbie, and uh, I thought that was a great character. Just uh, as far as the Debbie character, and she just seemed like the, I don't know, all-around American girl, and 
just I thought it was a great addition to the cast. I mean, she she wasn't like over the top in the looks and certainly was a good looking lady. Don't get me wrong, but wasn't over the top by any means. Just seemed like somebody that you actually could see in your own hometown, you know. And uh, of course, you got to give a shout out to the purple bikini. I mean, it is Friday. Come on. So got to got to mention that at least when we're talking about uh, the Debbie character. So and then I, I would have had on there uh, Sandra from part two, played by Marta Cobra, her and Jeff just mind their own business. Hey, asshole, that's my truck. You know, just just kind of doing their thing. I just thought that was just a good fit there. Those two really went well together. And of course, she doesn't have she doesn't really say anything cool in the movie like. Uh, like Jeff does, like asshole, that's my truck or any of the other one liners. She's just kind of there. And uh, like I said, leaning towards kind of the more wholesome characters that you see in the first few films. Like I said, I don't know if that's the way to describe it or not, but I guess with the way times were changing and the way the films were heading and stuff, it just, it's a different generation. So I just thought she was a good fit for that. And then of course I could not leave off Nikki from part six played by Darcy DeMoss. I mean, we had court ranked right up there with uh, the guys list. So you got to have courts woman on there. And of course with her having one of the awesome death scenes in the RV in part six with the face smash. And then of course that, that whole iconic scene there. And uh, I think she definitely needed to be included. She, she didn't really offer much as far as, um, you know, having good looks and being court sidekick and everything. But I just, I couldn't see leaving her off because court is so right up there. So that would have been mine if we would have had individual lists and Lando, where would yours have ranked? Well, we had the Terry Vera, just like you guys talked about. And then when you get into Deborah Voorhees, I mean, I just throw it out there. I got a chance to interview her one time and I threw that out there. It's like to sometimes people not take it seriously if they, if they don't know much about you to cast you in something because your last name is Voorhees. They think you make it up. I mean, it's like you got somebody whose last name is actually Voorhees in a Friday the 13th movie. That's pretty cool. Um, my two though, we, I mean, I also had cam 14 just because it was like Ben talked about it. She was just, she was just a badass. She took Jason on. I mean, yes, she was an Android and all that stuff, but there was that point where she was always trying to push it a little bit more than the person who had created her. You know, she wanted to you know be more human and go out and do that. And at the end, you know, she kind of just took it upon herself. She's like, all right, I'm going to be the one that saves the fucking day. Um, so I, I like that. That's really the highlights other than the alien references of Jason X for me. And then I had Sissy in there because I'm a huge Jason Lives fan. You know, I thought she was playful and funny, didn't take anything too seriously. But, you know, like when she heard noises outside the window, she didn't hesitate and really had a stern voice, almost like motherly. You know, all right, who's out there? You know, she's not fucking around. But she wanted to come up with the card game of, you know, discovering what uh, Cabin Jason was in. So I think anybody who comes up. I just think I don't think there's a Friday the 13th fan that wouldn't love for that game to actually be real. Somebody who's actually come up with rules and who knows, maybe somebody has. But I mean, if that game actually existed, I know I would certainly want to play. And, uh, you know, her character was the one who came up with the concept. So. Yeah, the um, the Jason X thing, like I said, that movie is just its own demon, its own beast. <laughs> so I I can't. The, the KM character, yes, obviously, if there were a strong point in that movie, it would be that character. But I just couldn't include uh, that particular one on my list just because of the film itself. Uh, just no way. So, yeah, no, all, all good choices. Like I said, you really can't go wrong. I don't think there's really any bad choices. It's just all a matter of opinion. And we do get a variety throughout the Friday series. So that would have been ours had we individually narrowed it down to a list of five in no particular order. So like I said before, treating Friday the 13th, 2009 separate, since it is such a generational gap, the character that we basically agreed on very, very quickly, that if we were to have a top 
female camper slash, well, not counselor, but camper, because um, there's no other way to put that one, would be the character of Bree. So now, I mean, I don't want to die and bend out. I'll let a little bit that we were talking about before we started tonight, uh, and Ben had made some references about the lack of the female characters in 2009. I'll let him talk about that if he wants to, but it, it was unanimous immediately that we chose Brie. Now, for those of you that are familiar with the film, know that Brie has like the, uh, I mean, I would say the best sex scene in the Friday the 13th film, hands down. And then of course you throw Trent's stupid ass in there and his little <laughs> bullshit. But uh, yeah, I mean, she obviously, when you see her in the film, all the girls are not hard to look at by any means. So it's like, oh, okay. I remember the first time I, w- I watched it because you don't know what you're, you don't know what the sex scene is that you're going to see the first time that you watch it, right? So then when it does happen, you're like, whoa. So uh, definitely took it a little bit uh, over, I don't, I don't know if I'd say over the top, but definitely further than any of the other Friday films had for that matter. So um, right. yeah. So Ben, I'll let you go since uh, you were talking about the lack of the characters. Yeah, I'm I'm not a huge fan of the 2009 film. Uh, you know, it is what it is. I was personally disappointed with it. And looking at it now, looking back at it, I, I don't remember really any of the girls' names except Bree. So, yeah, I had to agree with you on that. And I, I would say probably because of, of her famous sex scene, like you said, maybe a little over the top. I remember the first time I seen it, like, Oh boy, <laughs> you know this is pretty wild. Wait till this comes out on DVD. Like, holy shit! Right. But, uh, you know, d- definitely. Um, I mean that that's Friday the Thirteenth, though. If that's if that's what's memorable, if that's what you know, I remember. You remember. Probably everybody else remembers the the lines. You know, perfect nipple placement and and stupendous and and all that. You know, so uh, it it was great. It probably is the best sex scene in Friday the Thirteenth. I think the only thing missing was a. Uh, was a fence post right through the middle, like, you know, good old Jason <laughs> goes to hell style. Right. Uh, but yeah, Bree, Bree was, you know, I guess really you look at the teenagers at that time. I mean, she was, fits right in with them, I, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I guess in 2009, when you look at all the female characters in that particular movie, the the style was I don't know, I guess pretty basic at the time. I mean, look at their attire. Obviously the eighties are a whole different ball game, but it's just, they're not wearing anything. You know, they're just basic clothes. I think tank tops and shorts, obviously they're going to the water, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Just basic colored clothing. Nothing really stands out. And then uh, of course there is some other nudity in, in that particular film, like with Willa Ford's character, when she gets stabbed through the dock and then her head raised up or whatever you see, uh, a little bit of the, the front nudity there, but it's pretty brief. And, but that is by far more than what you see with breeze with breeze scene with that sex scene. That's more nudity than what you see in a lot of Friday films combined. You know what I mean? Because that, that scene got oh, drunk. Yeah. That scene, I mean, I'd have to put a stopwatch on it, but they, they were going at it, you know, showing it for a little bit. It wasn't just like a couple clips. I mean, it was, I don't, I mean, it's not graphic by any means, but compared to what you would normally see stuff from the eighties that people thought was like, Oh my God. And then now you watch this and you're like, shit, the eighties films were mild compared to that. Just (laughs) one scene in 2009. Right. 
So, but Hey, Jason, let them finish their business. And then of course I love, I love when Jason, you know, when Derek Mayer steps out and puts the the hand around the mouth, I mean, that's just like a badass shot. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah. So, I mean, they actually got to finish their business though. So I guess that's the, the plus thing for those particular characters before they both got off. But it just kind of, it just pisses me off that Trent got to be the guy. I mean, really such a fucking retard. <laughs> Trent's just such a douchey character. I mean, it just, it's just like, come on. I mean, the, the asshole douchey guy uh, gets Brie, and that just, that just fucking pisses me off. So, Lando. Well, yeah, man, you fucking talk about memorable. I mean, Trent being as big a douchebag as he was, I mean, you dislike him from the beginning, but then he ends up going to bed with, you know, and for my two cents, the most attractive woman who's ever appeared in a Friday the 13th movie. And then he has just an ridiculously fantastic death scene. So it was just like, yeah, everything is like skewed his way. But uh, for Brie, I don't know. I mean, everything you guys talked about, I mean, it's, it's certainly, I mean, the sex scene, I mean, I don't think anybody could argue against that. I mean, that definitely stands out, but I, I liked that she always had her video cameras going around recording things. And then, you know, like Chewie and his pal are over there, you know, they're all high and they're trying to snack and everything. And she's recording it. And she's like, look at the, the average American stoned male foraging for, for snacks. And it was, it was just hilarious to me that I was like, okay, that's, I didn't see that coming. So, you know, she was just like, yeah, but she's very attractive with the sex scene, but you know, she has, she had some elements there that there was something beyond just the sexuality that was uh, memorable. And so that stood out to me. Oh yeah. And of course with her strutting around earlier, it didn't surprise me that her and Trent ended up, you know, doing the damn thing or whatever, but it just fucking pisses me off that it was Trent. That's, <laughs> but I mean, really, she didn't have any good choices to be honest. Really? Would you have I mean, rather, would you have rather mean, it been Chewy? Well, on, I mean, Chewy, <laughs> Chewy. You know, Chewy was on the list last week, man. So I mean, but still, <laughs> I, I mean, in reality, it shouldn't have been any of them. But if you had to, if you had to pick, I can understand why she would have chose him. I guess because there really wasn't any other choices at that time, if you think about it, other than the stoners, right? So I mean, it could have been very true. The, it was, How about it, this? Yeah. How about this? If Court had been around, like in 1986, Court could he? Oh could he, yeah, could he have gotten Brie? If Court would have been in 1986, Court mode and transplant him into 2009, he would have easily bagged Brie. There's no fucking doubt. I mean, Pick, Trent, picking, her up, picking her up in the IROC. Yeah. You'd have picked her up in the IROC. You know, uh, <laughs> like uh, when I sent you that clip the other day about, and it's it, that car was actually found. Um, it, it, that that's not very recent, but anyways, uh, a few years ago, somebody found a brand new 1985 IROC had like four miles on the odometer, still wrapped mostly in plastic. Interior had the plastic on the inside, and it had been semi trailer since 1985 and then uh after you know so after we were doing the, the show last week I, I sent the guys an internet link to this car and it's like hey here's court's long lost car you know just joking around <laughs> about it so yeah no I, I mean even if court would have pulled up to the house in his 85 iraq 86 iraq whatever that uncle john bought if he would have pulled up you know blasting fucking motley crew with the t-tops off he could have got out with his mullet his ripped jeans his his fucking uh whatever he decided he wanted to wear that day and he would have bagged Brie. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> because Trent, I mean, come on. Trent is the annoying character, the the kind of, I don't know, just the the rich kid asshole driving 
uh, oh, the yeah. Escalade. I mean, come on. So, but I mean, like I said, Friday, 2009, it, it was a whole different beast. I mean, generational gap, I mean, big time there. So of course we're going to see an Escalade. We're going to see uh, that. And of course, when you're talking about rich kids being out at their parents' place, I mean, you're going to have that type of character. So I get it. Okay. I just, uh, I, I don't wish it could have been somebody else's that could have got breed, not, not the douchebag, but it is what it is. So, yeah. So for obvious reasons, she was our unanimous decision. And uh, anything else to add before we wrap this up? No, no, I think, uh, I think we pretty much got it, man. I think we tried to not base it all, you know, entirely on looks. We got a, you know, we nice little mention to Annie, our first victim, of course. And I, I think it's overall a good, kind of collection of the female characters in Friday. Yeah. It, as many films as we had, and of course, several choices per film, and you stretch that out over 10 films, you would think that it would be super easy to comprise a list. Now, granted, I could easily do a 10 list. Now, a couple of them on the bottom wouldn't be that memorable, but uh, there's there's definitely honorable mentions out there that we could throw in, but just keeping it for the sake of, conversation without dragging the length on here but yeah unfortunately like we discussed earlier the female characters in friday don't really have well they don't have as much substance as most of the guy characters some of them do have a couple one-liners here and there but most of uh, the more memorable stuff or the the funny lines or whatever the goofiness all comes from the guys so of course there's more to discuss with that and some of them were were more memorable because of physical attributes. But as we picked out, not necessarily, like I said, look at the character of Vera. There was no nudity there. And so, yeah, there's there's one right there. I mean, there's several examples where that really wasn't the case, whereas I, I think we can pretty much say with Brie, not that Brie wasn't a good-looking girl, but else, not if you discount the sex scene, would she have been on the list? I don't know. The female characters just the the general campers didn't really have much to offer in Friday, 2009. So Brie, I think was in very easy choice as far as that goes. So, and then uh, just like last time when we were talking about the guys, we left out Freddie versus Jason, just because that movie was a whole different type of movie. We didn't have campers slash counselors, whatever, because that was a crossover film. So we just went ahead and left that out. So, that wraps up our choices for the top lady campers slash counselors. Once again, a big thanks to Eric Vandermark that I mentioned last week for messaging in and suggesting that we discuss some of these characters that we don't necessarily get to hear a whole lot about. So appreciate your uh, request. And that wraps up the two-part episode for the top campers and counselors. And that also wraps up another episode of Return to Camp Blood. So please rate and review wherever you listen to the show at. Also check us out on Facebook at Camp Blood Podcast. And to check out our back episodes, you can find those on our website, campbloodpodcast.com, or on iTunes, of course. And if you have any suggestions or questions, feel free to drop us a line. This episode was brought to you by Friday the 13th Franchise. Until next time. 